Good to have you on our Tuesday afternoon Bible study. Welcome to every one of you. If you're joining us online, you are missing out. The snacks today, there's snacks every week. you got to come in sometime and, and say hi. But uh, we're, we're happy that you're joining us online anyway. I hope you get good snacks wherever you may be sitting today. Well, let's be a people of prayer. God above, we lift up those that we named and those that, that are still in our hearts to you, for we know that you hear. We know that you listen. We know that you care. We know that you heal. We know that you love. May the words that we read today touch our hearts so that we might become more like Christ in this world that needs a little bit more redemption in the world. And the family of God said, Amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are on John chapter 3. Someone told me a long time ago that uh, when you go visit someone who wants Scripture read to them, whether they're bedridden, whether they're like on, the, on their way out on this earthly plane, or whether they just don't know the gospel, uh, this is a good place to start. John chapter 3. There's some really good lines in here. And uh, it's got the most famous verse of all, John 3.16. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna jump into it today, so let's do verses. Let's do verses one through four. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, "Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him." Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Oh, Nick, 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 Nick. Nicodemus, a ruler in, in the synagogue. Uh, he was one of those impressed by Jesus' signs in the, in the chapter just before this. Uh, there was a line, now, now he, while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. And then we get right into the Nicodemus story here. He was religious. He was one of the, one of the Pharisees. He was educated, they believe. Nicodemus is a Greek name. Uh, influential, he was a ruler. And he came by night. Nick at night is what my kids like to call him. Uh, it's an old TV show, a long time ago. Anyway, Nicodemus came to Jesus as a representative, I guess, of, 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 all, of all people. And in a sense, he kind of represented what is highest and best in men. That's, that's his role in the narrative here today. Uh, he came by night. Why? Why would, why, why would even John mention that he came by night? So no one would see him? Like, we want to we want to find out about you, but we don't want people to know that we were curious about you. Could be. Yeah, Jesus is busy all day, and great, a great. If your pastor calls at nine o'clock at night, it's because I want something. Sorry, I want your attention. <laughs> I want to talk to you about a committee that I want you to serve on. Yeah, yeah. If I call you during the day, you're fine. But at night, be be careful. Be careful of what you. <laughs> yep. Maybe he was timid. Uh, maybe he wanted that uninterrupted, uninterrupted interview with Jesus. 
unless unless one is born again, uh, they can't see the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus' reply to Nicodemus shattered the Jewish assumption that their racial identity assured them a place in God's kingdom. Jesus made it plain that a man's first birth does not assure him of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, only being that born again gives this assurance. Uh, it was widely taught at the time that since they descended from Abraham, they were automatically assured if they believed in heaven. Pharisees believed in heaven. Some other groups did not. Uh, that was uh, one of the questions of the day. But for those that believed in heaven, uh, we were automatically guaranteed in because our ancestor was was Abraham. And Jesus says, no, that's, that's not how it works. Uh, <laughs> saw one story that some rabbis taught that Abraham, you know, all right, who, who watches for us? Who watches uh, the, 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 gates, the gates of heaven? Not the night guards, but uh, St. <laughs> Peter. St. Peter as a, in charge of the, the, the gates of heaven. Uh, some rabbis taught that Abraham watched the gates of hell just to make sure that none of his children got there. And he would just direct him the other way. <laughs> like, you don't want to be this place. Let's, let's go the other way. Uh, born again, the, the ancient Greek word translated here could also, could also mean, and maybe your study Bible say this, mine did as well. Uh, born again or born from above is another, another phrase. Uh, John uses the same sense in, uh, in, in this chapter as well as in a couple times in chapter 19. Uh, either way, for us, the meaning is the same. To be born above is to be born again. Uh, some Bibles might say born anew, and again, both senses both senses are true, uh, the way that John uses them. E essentially, it just means to have a new life. Uh, we always have this idea that when a kid is born, they're perfect, they're sinless, they're, they're happy little angels, and then something happens. They turn two. <laughs> Or in my kids, three. Three. Two is awesome. It, it just keeps going, doesn't it? You have a list. <laughs> uh, yeah. I talk to my 14-year-old, and I say, somewhere, 14 is weird. Uh, somewhere inside of you, there's a 4-year-old and a 40-year-old, and I don't know which one I'm talking to. Like, either way. Um but uh, yeah, we th we have this idea that there's sin, and then the world just boom, corrupts them. Uh, the whole idea of original sin is we are born, we are we're, we're born in a world where we where we sin, where we 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 have fallen from the grace of God, and our job is to God's job through us, through us, through God, however you want to say it, uh, is is to get back to that to that better plane um, on the inside that 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 born-again type of experience. Some of you have that born-again type of experience where one day you were, you, you're, you're the, 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 center of, uh, the center of sins, and uh, the next day uh, you, were washed, you were washed clean. Other of us, our born-again experience was, <laughs> I, f I found God at age five at Sunday school, and I've been following him ever since. But, you know, the, that, that slow progression of being born again. There's a, there's a lot of ways that you could be born again uh where we find where we find faith and life and hope and joy and and, and all those things that uh, that comes with that in jesus's day 
the common teaching among Jewish people was that the, the, the covenant, the, the covenant of Abraham, the first two aspects had been fulfilled. They saw Israel gathered. We have a nation, at least after the Babylonian exile. Granted, the Romans are here, but we are a people. Uh, they saw the strong spiritual movements like the Pharisees, which they believe fulfilled the promise of spiritual transformation. And for many, they waited for the reign of a Messiah. They were looking for a Messiah who could kick out the Romans and they could have their own nation and they would, they would be their own people once again. Jesus had a different view of what Messiah meant. Instead of, of fixing the nation, he wanted to fix, fix the self. And Jesus' statement about the new birth was so strange to Nicodemus. Um, Nicodemus, your birthright doesn't get you what you want. you got to be born again. I'm just curious for the people here today, what does born again mean to you? What are the connotations that come with that? Have you had such an experience before? When you're reborn, um, you have a new spirit, and um, you start acting in a different way. Um, Where there's a real sense of an old self and a new self? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I don't know why that word, that word works much, much better for me personally. Um, born again sounds like you went back into mom's womb and... People just have trouble dealing with that thought, you know, and coming from there. But born from above is just just perfect, you know, because that's where we see heaven. That's where we see God in our own minds, I think. And so I really like that concept. And I think it means you've been born to serve God and man. And uh, that's a change in, 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 in your normalcy. I mean, that's not what we're, we automatically do when we're born. We, we automatically... People should serve us, so I think that change is what happens when you're born again or born from above. I, I think uh, for me, um, it was that I walked to Emmaus and I went forward, and to me, it was a decision time. Um, I'd been um, baptized, but that was more ceremonial, I think. You know, you need to be baptized before you can be a member of this church or, you know, whatever. Uh, but at that time, I went forward, and it was my decision that, that, uh, that I accepted Christ and that I would to the best of my ability, follow him and uh, learn more about him. And I think that's, to me, that's what it was, was the time that I made that decision. Some choice there. Some, some, some people would say, you're not, you know, once you're baptized, you are, that's, that's when you're born again. I was baptized at three months old. I don't think I had that, woohoo, I am now a, a I will no longer need diapers because I know whatever it is. Uh, but there are those steps, those steps along the way. I remember my confirmation, and I and I and I pledged to follow Christ. 
even though I was 13 and old enough to make those decisions, I didn't, I didn't appreciate it as, as much at 13 as I did when I was 24 or 23, whatever it was. And then I had another experience at 30 and another experience, like there's a, there's moments where you grow closer to God and there's moments that you might fall back, but just keep walking forward and just keep taking those steps. We are born from above in that sense. Okay. Let's do verses five through eight. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Uh, Jesus was emphatic in saying that that man does not read reformation, but a radical conversion by the Spirit of God. We must be born of both water and the Spirit. Question. What water? Some people think it's baptism. It, it, Jesus never explains it in this, by the way. There's, so, so whatever answer you come up with, that works. It could be baptism. When I was an infant, I was uh, christened or baptized as a, a as a, a baby, and later my mother told me that that meant I was Lutheran. <laughs> when I was 18, I got engaged to a Catholic, and his family demanded that I become uh, baptized as a Christian, as a Catholic. That's two. Later in life, I went to a church camp, and it was very spiritual. And, um, and they said, if anyone wanted to be baptized, come to the pool in the afternoon. And I went, and I just dove in that pool and went dunked, and I came up feeling so clean and new, and that was my baptism. Aww. My first choice, not my mother's. Not the Catholic churches, but mine. And I think that makes the big difference because it's a choice that you make to yeah. be born in the Spirit. Yep. I, I like the way that the scriptures could be interpreted several ways. Uh, born again, being kind of alive in Jesus, feeling that love is a, is a type of rebirth. And that's so true. Uh, the symbols of baptism and being born requiring water, spirit, and blood, and which was not mentioned here, is a very good association for baptism in the way he's discussing here. You know, I have uh, really found that in all of the Christian religions, 90 percent, 85 to 90 percent are in common. These things that are interpreted differently are, I, I don't see a problem with that. Um, so with me, whether this represents baptism or a spiritual rebirth, they're both very fine examples. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
I remember when I first read it, I, baptism, what came to mind since Jesus was baptized earlier. Uh, I read some interpretations. It is the physical birth. Uh, when you were when you were born, you, you there's a lot of liquid that comes. Uh, I love watching, I don't know, I love, but uh, I love watching uh, babies like on uh, in movies and or TV shows. That was not my experience. Uh, when my wife gave birth to our children, it was messy. <laughs> and uh, there's a TV show, Baby Born. Bloop. Oh. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, where's the cord? Where's, where's, where's the stuff we got to pick? Where's the mess? Like the... All the, all the water. Uh, she didn't have her water break beforehand. Uh, it happened in the hospital. And surprising amount of water. Uh, so when I read this now, I can see that being born of water, I can, I can see that that could also be in one of those interpretations. Uh, born of water, from mom, and from the spirit, from above. And dad's somewhere in there, but we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave dad out of it right now. Uh, when I went to uh, Israel uh, the first time and uh, brought back some water out of the Jordan River, and um, when my grandson was baptized after he was born, uh, we used that water in his baptism. Uh, really doesn't mean a whole lot, but I thought it was pretty cool. But um, when I was... SPRC at First Church, um, we were interviewing a newly ordained young lady for us as associate pastor. And so I asked her that same question, uh, where do we get holy water? And that was the same look I got, I mean, that we had is, where did it come from? So I told her, I said, we just Take it out of the faucet, put it on the stove, and boil the hell out of it. The I, what makes holy water holy? A blessing. Somehow it is blessed. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Mike? All right, so I have my plate of food that is almost gone now. Thank you for the snacks today. And I bless it. Sometimes you bless food at, uh, at home, hopefully. There's a prayer or something like that. And you bless the food. Does the food change? Does it taste better? <laughs> Mentally, maybe, yeah. Did something spiritually come down from above to touch this? No. The food is the same. What changed? I changed. I look at this food differently. Instead of just something I pulled from the fridge and, 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 and cooked up, uh, when you give the blessing, you, you, you acknowledge this is a gift. And we are blessed because of it. The food didn't change. I changed. Uh, when I pray over my kids, they don't necessarily change. Now, I believe the Spirit of God can work in wonder, wonderful ways. Uh, Lord, bless my children more than you have ever blessed me. It's, it's a, one of the prayers that I have. Uh, but hopefully I also change in that process. And I treat them and I love them in, in such a way that they, the, the, the prayer becomes, be, becomes true. Uh, holy water. It's holy because we treat it differently. We have said a blessing over it. 
uh, if you take it under a microscope and you can still see all the little microbes and the things living in the water that shouldn't be there and, uh, unless you boil it. The water didn't change, but what it means to us changed. Does that make sense? This is just a this is just a ring of gold. That's all it is. It's just a rock hammered in such a way that it can go on my finger. But I change because I wear it. When my husband and I went to Pastor John and said that we wanted to join the Church of the Warm Heart, um, my husband comes from um, a long line of Methodists. Me, not so much. And I was very shocked when he told us that we did not need to be baptized, especially me, because I had not been baptized in the Methodist faith. However, um, I have had some big changes in my life spiritually since coming to this church. And I'll just mention the word once, and that's gratitude. And that took me to a higher plateau spiritually than I have ever been. Yeah, some of us have that born-again experience, and some of us kind of grew up in the faith and never, like you say, never never been never been asked. Maybe we were asked at confirmation or at a membership, but it, it felt more rote and scripted and instead of from the heart. Yeah. I remember asking my, well, my wife was a Catholic back in the day, and uh, someone asked her when she was in high school, are, are you a Christian? She goes, no, I'm Catholic. That's what she knew. Like, yeah. um, And she never had, she, she, we never did a Bible study. We never learned a lot. We learned a lot about saints um, and uh, a lot of confessional stuff, but uh, not some of this stuff. John Wesley was big into conversion experiences as well. He had his own at Aldersgate. Some of you know that story where his heart was strangely warmed. Uh, but for the rest of his life, he would ask people to put their faith in Christ. And one time there was a, there was a lady who, who caught him and says, I don't like, I don't like the way that you ask people. So we asked, so we asked her, well, how, well, how do you do it? And she said, well, I, I don't do it. He goes, well, I like the way I do it better than the way that you don't do it. <laughs> Poor Nicodemus, he was confused. He had his, he was so set in his thinking that his new, that, that his birth had already happened to him. Uh, he was just he just had a hard time thinking differently, and Jesus had to keep on explaining. Uh, the wind blows where it wishes. Uh, you don't have to understand everything. That's what I get from this line. Uh, the wind the wind blows where it wishes, and no one knows where it came from or where it's going, and yet we can still feel the results. You don't need to know how how a conversion works a hundred percent. You don't have to have the mysteries of faith totally figured out. But I believe in the one who does. No. Does that make sense? Put your. I don't know what heaven looks like. I've never been there. But I believe in the one who will lead me there someday. Yeah. Uh, let's do verses. Where are we at? I, nine. Let's do verse uh, nine to fifteen. How about that? How can this be? Nick Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Verily, uh, truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, 
but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will I will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. You're the teacher and you don't know these things. Jesus gives Nicodemus a little little bit of a... Um, chiding here for not being aware of the need and the promise of new birth. Uh, Nicodemus knew the passages well out of the Torah, but believed that they had already been fulfilled in regards to his 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 faith. Um, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. Jesus makes it clear that he can speak with authority about things of heaven, though no one else can. Um, just as Moses lifted up the servant, uh, the serpent in the wilderness, does that story ring any bells to anybody? So in Numbers chapter 22, 23, I'm going off memory here. There's, there's a story where the, 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 they're in the wilderness, they're doing their 40 years, uh, the people go sideways once again, and the Lord's anger burns against them. Um, and, and then the Lord said, uh, you know, if you if you if you take a staff, take a giant giant stick, put um, put a snake on it, uh, and if people look at the snake on the staff, uh, they will be healed. If they choose not to look at the snake, they will they will not be healed, and bad things happen. Uh, that is a very really bad rough numbers twenty two twenty three for you. Um, do you ever wonder why the doctor uh, the doctor symbol has a snake? You ever, you ever go to the doctor and you see the, the staff with the snake going? Dun, dun. Say it again. Caduceus. Uh, is that Greek mythology? Yeah. Uh, a, lot, a lot of old traditions. Uh, I, yeah, the, the, the one with the two snakes going up, I know that one's Greek. Uh, I think a lot of them now have one with, with wings. Um, a lot of ancient traditions, for some reason, have snakes as 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 a part of the healing profession. Uh, but just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Uh, how is the Son of Man, that's one of Jesus' favorite phrases for himself, Son of Man. When you read this now, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. What do you think he means? Now, we can see cross here. Maybe at the day, on, on, on the day he said this, I must be lifted, you know, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Like, oh, oh, exalted. Something uh, praised, worship, uh, but it really could really could be the cross. Actually, lifted up uh, on on a on a stick, not a snake, but a savior, so that everyone who believes has eternal life through him. It's not Numbers twenty; it's twenty-one. I just remember twenty-one. Numbers twenty-one. If you want to go take a look at the story, it's a uh, it's it's quite the story. We got we got to book through this uh, in the next few minutes. Uh, let's do. 1617 I want to I want to spend uh, as much time as I can on 16 and 17 just two verses there it kind of cuts a paragraph in the middle for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John 3.16, the most celebrated scripture verse anywhere you go. Uh, Basketball games, if you saw the final four the other night, someone holding up a sign, John 3.16, that kind of thing. For God so loved the world. It is the most popular verse used in evangelism. Uh, God did not wait for the world to turn to him. Before he loved the world, he loved the world. And he gave his only son to a world while sin was still in the world. Uh, what Jesus told Nicodemus here, again, refuted the, the populist Jewish idea regarding the way of salvation. And now here Jesus refutes the popular Jewish idea regarding the scope of salvation. For God so loves the world. And any time the word, word world is used in John, it's usually in a negative way. Are we to follow Christ or are we to follow the world? And yet God so loved the world. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to, to respond to this, but just think about it for a moment. Think of the people that you don't especially like. Get an image of your brain for the people that you don't especially like for whatever reason. And just know that God loves them. And our job is to love them. And that's hard. Especially for some of the people you might be thinking about. But that's why we have a Savior, because we can't do it. Uh, We could try. Gave his only begotten son. Um, someone once told me that there are seven wonders in this in this passage. Uh, God, the all the like the most ultimate authority, so loved the world, the mightiest motive, that he gave his only begotten son the greatest gift, that whoever, it's the widest welcome, believeth in him, the easiest escape, should not perish the divine deliverance, but have everlasting life, the priceless possession. If there is one sentence uh, in, in the fourth gospel, this, this is it. The love of God is limitless. It embraces all of mankind. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. I remember a story where uh, an all-points bulletin was, this is Los Angeles, all points bulletin came out across across the radio waves. Uh, a truck was stolen, and and they were trying to they're trying to find this truck. Uh, turns out the the person who stole the truck <laughs> stole it at a hardware store where a gentleman had just purchased uh, rat poison and put it in crackers to take care of the rats. And then the truck was stolen, and so they're trying to really get this truck before the the, the, the thief said, "Hey, look, there's some crackers." And, and would perish. Now there's a little tiny part of me that says, yeah, that, wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be just desserts? But then that other part of me says, no, God loves that person. Uh, find the truck, save the person. I don't know how the story ends. The, the, all I know is the, uh, the news that came out. But God so loved the world. And we're the world. Uh, let's get to verses uh, 18, 18 to 21. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his light, for their for fear that his deeds. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. One issue regarding those who do not believe is, what about those who never had the opportunity to believe because they never heard about the good news of Jesus Christ? What about the poor people who never had that chance? Say again? They're not held accountable. If they've never heard the, they've never heard the news? God so loved the world. So for those who never had the, the, the chance, I love how Jesus puts it in here. Uh, Jesus is the light. How did you respond to the light that was given to you? How did you respond to the light that was given to you? Did you respond with positive and love and faithfulness? And uh, I, do, I, do, I do a lot of weddings, and um, I have a lot of different scripts that I use. for you know, Some churchy, some not so churchy. And some of my uh, pastor friends say, Pastor Mike, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're selling out. You're doing weddings and you're, for, for people who don't have church homes. And, and my response is this. Uh, in, for the churchy weddings, my script is totally based in love and trust and faithfulness. And for my non-churchy weddings, the script is based in Love and trust and faithfulness. Just the, the words and the language change a little bit. My job is to bring them just one step closer uh, to, to, to Christ. Um, God loves us all. And how did you respond to the love that was given to you? Uh, and someday when we, when we go to those pearly gates, St. Peter, how did, how did... Let me try it like this. I know I'm almost out of time, but a couple of weeks ago I did I did the sermon with the with a man on the cross. Maybe I'll do this uh, Thursday night too. I did the sermon with the man on the cross, uh, where where Jesus told him, "Today you will be what? You will be with me in paradise." And I just someday when I get to heaven, I want to find that guy, and I just want to find like how did how did this work out for you? Because you never went to a Bible study. You you never you you you, you, you never you never volunteered at the food kitchen. You never did any of those things that, that we faithful people did. And and you made it. And I could just see this guy at St. Peter at, at the Pearly Gates and St. Peter going, What what brought you here today? <laughs> like I, 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 you're not you're you're not on my list. And the and the guy would be like I don't know why I'm here. And <laughs> um, St. Peter would say, well, can, can you tell me about justification and faith? 
When were you born again? When did you have those experiences? Uh, what is your doctrine on the Bible? Never heard of it. And I could just see the man on the, who, was, who was on the cross saying, but the man who was on the middle cross said I could come. He said I could come. My, my hope and prayer is that we all find faith. My hope and prayer is that we do Bible studies and we do the soup kitchens and we do all those things that, that, uh, that make a life of faith a life of faith. But it really is God's love that makes it, that makes it possible. For God so loved the world. It's not what I do. Otherwise, it becomes works. But it's faith. Faith in the one who who calls you to a life of love, to a life of service. Let's let's uh, let's do verses twenty-two to to twenty-six. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim, because there was plenty of water, and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. John is a great example of not, of not being jealous of Jesus' popularity. John presented at the beginning, he is the Christ. He is the Christ. My job is to bring people to Christ. And John is still out there baptizing. Uh, his, his work never, never diminished. Uh, he, he kept doing what he was doing. Uh, Jesus' disciples were also baptizing down the road, doing their thing. At a, and we don't exactly know where in Jerusalem or in the Judea this, this is. Uh, it gives us a couple names. Uh, the, the name of the place where, where Jesus was baptizing uh, in, in Hebrew actually means springs. So there, this, this, this is uh, where, where they were doing that. Um, but I appreciate this passage because it is so easy sometimes for churches to be jealous of other churches. And it's possible for pastors to be jealous of other pastors. And it might be you might be jealous of some of the other people. You're, John can be John with his disciples, and Jesus could be Jesus with his disciples, and it's okay. And it's okay. And John's job was to to point people toward Jesus, but John just uh, kept doing kept doing what he was doing. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna finish this off. We're gonna read read to the end, and I'll just uh, say a word or two, and and we'll be done. Twenty seven to the end. And to this John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourself can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. 
The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, but God's wrath remains on them. That last part sounds harsh, doesn't it? God's wrath stays upon. But whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. You ever get mad at God? Why, God? You get up on the wrong side of the bed kind of day, and like, God, life's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. It is so not fair. And I could just see God someday. My, my fear would be God's, would, I'd hear a voice from the heavens say something like, you don't think it's fair? All right, tell you what. And then God would say something like, I'll take away everything I'd ever given you, and you could take away everything that you've ever given me, and we'll call it fair. And all of a sudden, I'll realize just how grateful I should be for this breath of life, for a chance to be here with you, uh, for, for the blessings that I have in my life, whether they be big or small. Um, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But the wrath comes not because of a vengeful God, but because you turn your back on God so many times, and finally God gives you your wish. God, I don't need you, I don't need you, I don't need you, I don't need you, I don't need you. And God finally says, okay. And then there might be that moment in my life or at the end of life where I go, you know what, God, I really do need you. The wrath is not vengeful, but it's us getting our own wish. Well, we are going to find out just how big God's love is in the next chapter when he talks to a Samaritan woman at the well. Um, at that time, Jews and Samaritans did not play well together, and we'll just see how Jesus deals with people who are the other. And then in the meantime, we will see you Thursday, possibly Thursday. We have a, um, what do you have? a potluck. Yeah, a potluck. That's what they call it. Six o'clock here, potluck. And then seven o'clock, taze service in the sanctuary. Uh, Good Friday, uh, we'll have a cantata at 7 o'clock. Uh, there's child care for that one. All of these are going to be live-streamed, I believe. And then uh, Easter, same same uh, worship times as before, 9.30 and 11.15. If you're, if you're worried about uh, parking and the like and uh, the, the first, first service being too packed, come to the second service. They'll be doing some traditional songs there as, as well if, that's, if that's, a, that's a need for you. Same sermon and all that. But God bless, and we will see you next week, the week after Easter. Go in peace. Mm-hmm.